This episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O health.com. And they can use code JSP for 10% off any stethoscope. Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how are you, man? I am, well, I'm cold. It's cold here. Cold here as well. We got a negative four wind chill in the morning, apparently. So, yeah, good times. Not that cold, (laughs) but cold and snow-covered. But other than that, pretty good. Good. How's the office? Busy? Lots of COVID, lots of... Well, as most people are seeing across the country, Omicron is just exploding. Yes, lots of COVID. But again, I like to try and tell people is I'm more of the post-COVID or you've already been identified with COVID. We're not seeing a lot of actual in-office COVID patients. I mean, we do here right. and there. Most of our stuff, if you are positive for certain symptoms, we're seeing it by telehealth. So we are seeing our patients. We're just not bringing them in to the office setting. And then, of course, the patients that suffer some kind of serious side effect of having it and they usually get admitted or something. We do all the post follow. So yeah, it has been extremely busy because when you add into it, diabetes and hypertension does not take a break because of a pandemic. So we have our usual workload plus the onset of people. So it has been very busy. Of course, again, to all our brothers and sisters out there working bedside, nothing like the hospital setting. 100%. Extremely busy nonetheless. Yeah, no, that's kind of how it is here too. We're seeing tons of it, lots of telehealth with it, and then seeing more positive flu cases as well. And of course, I mean, those are pretty easy to spot. And uh, last year, we didn't have hardly any flu cases because everybody wore masks. We don't wear masks now or as much, at least in the general public. I mean, not healthcare workers. So yeah, we're seeing some more flu cases. And like you said, the general workload of diabetes, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, DOT physicals, everything else that we do is, is still there. We're just fitting other people into the cracks. And now we're adding in... I don't know. And I'm curious, actually, because the state of Kansas has recommended that like high school athletes get seen by a provider prior to being released back to sports post COVID. So we're kind of working that back into it. Is that something, do you know, off the top of your head, is that something that Ohio is doing as well? If they are, I have not been made aware of it. And I'm not seeing a bunch of high school athletes for that. Now, again, we do have high schoolers that are getting sick like everybody else. But no, I don't know of any specific regulations for the athletic side of the house. So that's pretty interesting because I would assume we wouldn't be far behind if other states start enacting that. Somebody's going to get the good idea ferry in the state house in Ohio and go, hey, well, if everyone else is doing it, we should do it too. So I'm sure that will happen. It sounds like something that will happen, but no, it has not yet. And it may not have been like at the state 
legislator level. I think it was more the like high school athletic association that was recommending this. But anyway, the good idea fairy strikes wherever she wants. Ben, good it point. doesn't have to be just those people. Speaking of good idea fairies, Tom. So tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about, and I don't know why that was a segue, but it was. <laughs> it works. Just go with it. We're going to be talking with Carly Hayes from Nutrisense.io about continuous glucose monitoring. And we've already recorded the interviews, so we're going to play it here shortly. It was a great interview, Tom. And honestly, it kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things that I don't consider with CGM. Correct. We don't do a lot of people with product lines on this show, but she did a really good job of not so much talking about just her product. I mean, of course she did, but really kind of brought the whole continuous glucose monitoring and what it can do for people regardless to the forefront. And I really think she made a lot of good points. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Especially about how providers can use it for better resources for tracking and and some of the things we do with our diabetic and our non-diabetic patients. Also, she said it, but it's something I think we've we've said before or at least I know I have to my patients. I don't wait and make diet and lifestyle changes the last option. It's my first option. So she talks about that. And so if you're interested in stuff like that, you're really going to get a lot or enjoy this interview. Yeah, no, it was good and really opened my eyes, like I said, a lot too. I never thought of continuous glucose monitoring outside of my diabetic patients. So definitely some avenues that I'm going to research more and try to do some more exploration on. Also, Tom, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're kind of a big deal. What? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure somebody thinks that's a sarcastic what, but apparently Ben knows something I don't. So <laughs> I'm as oh. interested as everybody else, Ben. So I just ran to kind of you know peruse the interwebs, Tom, and I come across some interesting stuff about our podcast that I thought I would share with you and with our listeners. So I went over to listennotes.com and they kind of rank podcasts over there. And our listen score on their website is 35 out of 100. So it said, you know, the higher, the more popular. And it's calculated from first and third party data that's updated monthly. So, I mean, we're, you know, not quite 50%, but I mean, that's still not a bad number, I don't think, because there's a lot of podcasts out there. The other thing that I found interesting, Tom, our global rank, according to their website, this podcast is one of the top 3% most popular shows out of 2.7 million podcasts globally ranked by the listen score, which is what that 35 was. So top 3% popular podcast in the world, Tom. I'm not going to lie, Ben. When you said we scored a 35 out of 100, I was like, this is not the type of information I think we would want to share with people openly or on purpose. So, Ben, I, I guess I'm just wondering if 35 out of 100 makes us top 3%, is there like a negative score? Can like people vote against dislike? Let's not give them that idea. <laughs> because I'm just going to hold on to... And in fact, there's actually a little like thing that we can claim this on and post this on our website, the image. So you know, we may have to just embed this code into our website so that people can see that. And I think we can do that to see our rank. I mean, top 3%. I'm always happy about something cool that says you're in the top whatever percent. And yeah. as long as it's good. I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm in the top 100% of 100% like that. But top 3% does sound really cool. I mean, so uh, yeah, I think you should. Secondly, Tom, again, proves in the interwebs, I come across a website called NPs4NPs.com, Tom, and Claire Ellerbrock wrote a blog back in September, five quality podcasts every NP should listen to. Do you want to know what show was on that, Tom? Was it Chop? I'll give you a hint. Okay. You're currently on it now. 
<laughs> five quality podcasts every nurse practitioner should listen to or every NP should listen to and we are one of the five that she lists just some podcasts for advanced practitioners you know so, yeah that's awesome thank shout out to her for that we appreciate that hell maybe we should ask her if she wants to come on the show well, i've never so just full disclosure we have no clue who that person is we've never talked to them it's not like we paid for somebody to write like something cool about us or something like that. So that is, that is a huge, I think that's a win when someone says, Hey, these are the top five shows and we're one of them. That is a huge victory to me, but no, I cool. I really like that website. Thank you for the uh, information. And you know, if we can link it to the show or claim something, I, I absolutely want to, but for somebody, like I said, another NP to say, when I listen to people talk, this is like one of the shows I listen to, or I think everybody should listen to. To me, that's really cool. I really like that. I agree. And now, Tom, with all that out of the way, let's do a quick story that you may have missed. Okay. So last episode, Tom, you remember we talked about the pig heart gentleman? Yes. Well, Tom, there's a new story that came out about this. And I don't know <laughs> I, if you've seen this or not. I think I have, depending on what you say next, because I've read some more about the old... I was going to say something cool, but pig heart transplant. <laughs> so, Tom, a story came out that the man who had the pig heart transplant was guilty of a 1988 stabbing. Yeah, that left a man paralyzed. Yes. Yes. Well, not everybody had seen it. Leslie Downey, whose brother died in 2007, said she thought that Mr. Bennett, who was the recipient, was unworthy of the surgery. The transplant team has come out to say that the person's criminal past could never be grounds for refusing treatment. Quote, it is a solemn obligation of any hospital or healthcare organization to provide life-saving care to every patient who comes through the doors based on medical needs. They also go on to say, quote, any other standard of care would set a dangerous precedence and would violate the ethical and moral values that underpin the obligation physicians and caregivers have to all patients in their care. So just a little backstory on kind of what happened. Mr. Schumacher was out at a bar. The attack took place in 1988 in April. Mr. Bennett, who's the recipient, his wife was set on the lap of Mr. Shoemaker, and in an apparent jealous rage, he stabbed him in the back repeatedly. He was found guilty of battery, carrying concealed weapon, and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Tom said earlier he was paralyzed, confined to a wheelchair as a result of the attack before he had a stroke in 2005 and died two years later. So I just kind of want to add that to our story from last time. Tom, what are thoughts? Yeah, a lot. First of all, this happened because I didn't see that part. I read about the charges. I did not see any of the other information you talked about. So he stabbed a dude because his wife sat on that dude's lap. Yes. That, according to the article that I read now, I mean, obviously I had, I had not read court documents, but apparently it was enough that he was found guilty. Okay. Did he stab her too? Not that it says. If you're going to stab one for the sitting, really, there should have been two stabbings. Uh, apparently there's only one. Now, so now having said that and making some slight fun of it, and, and again, I feel terrible for the victims. I just, sometimes you have to try to make some light of a bad situation. The long and short of it comes down to this. When someone says something like they don't deserve that medical treatment, I agree with the doctor and his entire statement. I don't think any healthcare professional that I am aware of. On a personal side, we may loathe that the person we're treating, but as professionals, we do not allow that personal judgment to affect our professional judgment. And I do think that that would be a terrible and dangerous precedent to set for that. 
on a further note, the recipient was found guilty and he served his sentence. And whether you like him or not, he paid his debt to society. So whether you want to hold, let's say there was a time or place in a future where we held stuff like that against people, which again, I would guard against, but let's say we did. He did what he was supposed to. He went to jail. He served his time. So regardless, I think he was the appropriate recipient of that heart. And I hope we learn a lot from his case and that we are able to save many, many, many people's lives in the future. Yeah. And, you know, I have background in working in the prison system as a healthcare provider and in the jail system. And you know, when that person comes to me for healthcare, whether they're in prison or jail or wherever that I've dealt with them, they're there as a patient. They're not there as an offender or an inmate or anything like that. I'm caring for them based on their symptoms, not based on anything that they may or may not have done. Because like you said, that becomes a moral and ethical, very slippery slope that no one wants to tread you down. Correct. I think it's just best that we do not allow personal judgments to involve ourselves with professional judgment. And but I do understand where the sister's coming from as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. No. Some dude stabbed my sister. Yeah. I completely understand. However, I'm just saying I understand what the doctor says. And, and in this case, again, personal feelings notwithstanding, I think it's awesome that the surgery was completed. I hope it's successful. And like I said, most importantly, besides saving his life, I hope that the information that we learn from his transplant is then applied to future transplants and saves lots of lives. Yeah, I would agree with you. Tom, let's talk about our sponsor real quick. And then on the other side of the sponsor, we will jump to the interview with Carly. So Tom, echohealth.com, the core Lipman digital stethoscope that they have is just wonderful. The amplification, the noise canceling, just it's really a game changing piece of equipment. And Ben, we say a lot of this stuff every week, but again, I just want to point out to people that first of all, the hardware starts off with really great components. Whether you get the complete stethoscope or you get just the core digital and add it to your existing one, you're going to get a quality product. So that's the good thing. But two, for people that use these every day, I cannot stress this enough of how much it has changed my ability to hear those things that I'm listening for, which I know that sounds stupidly obvious, but when you go from listening to a non-powered stethoscope to one of these echo health stethoscopes, it is completely different. It is night and day. And again, I, I am not just happy that there are sponsors. I'm proud of like the product that they make. So I would really honestly recommend it. If you do want to find out more, you can find out at echohealth.com. That's ekohealth.com. Use code JSP and let them know that we sent you. And it also gives you $50 off your order. Well, Tom, we have Carly Hayes with us tonight, and we're going to talk about some continuous glucose monitoring, which is going to be, I think, a relatively new technology, but going to kind of get to delve some more into that. So, Carly, do you want to say hi? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys tonight. And can you kind of fill us in a little bit on who you are? Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned, my name is Carly Hayes. I'm a registered dietitian and I work at this really cool company called NutriSense. And just like you said, we're using continuous glucose monitors or CGMs to help people build just kind of optimized, personalized nutrition and lifestyle plans. So I am a dietitian manager there. I oversee a team of dietitians and I also work with people. So 
We work with a lot of different types of individuals that really just want to achieve their health potential, whatever that looks like for them. I know it's different for every single person. So we kind of look at that really cool data and then help them make sense of it and help them make specific changes that can help them optimize what they're seeing. So I am a dietitian by trade and I started my career in a very traditional, just outpatient setting. I was doing counseling and talking to usually people that came from their doctor that had a diagnosis of diabetes or pre-diabetes, or maybe they were just trying to lose some weight. Doctor would send them to me. And so we'd work together and really make some big changes. But I started to question why I was the last referral, right? As this nutrition and lifestyle expert, why am I the last one? Why are we waiting for that diagnosis before we try those alternative plans or just kind of the, the basic of the plan? So I started looking into other therapies, other types of treatments, and that's when I came across CGMs and found some really cool companies that are using this technology to kind of work towards that prevention and not be so reactionary, but kind of coming at it from the preventative approach. And I haven't looked back. So you brought up a really great point. And I feel like Ben probably does this. I know that I do this as well. My practice, we actually try and encourage diet and lifestyle changes first. And I think that's relatively normal for nurse practitioners. Nothing gets medical doctors. I just think they're trained different. So my question to you is, why do you think that you've become the last option? Why aren't you being used first? Right. I think that's a really good question. And I have seen more providers kind of look for that nutrition and lifestyle approach first. So I do think it's changing. I think it's shifting. I'm feeling that that change. I also think that some nutrition recommendations are a little outdated, right? So I will tell you that I've worked with some providers that were hesitant to refer their patients to me because they said, well, what are you going to do? Just tell them to eat whole grains and canola oil. No, that's not what we're doing. But I think some of those recommendations are a little outdated and maybe that causes some hesitancy for that. But I think the other portion of that is, like I mentioned, we're very reactionary based. So if we look at a glucose specific metric, fasting glucose, right? So everyone that goes to their annual lab with their doctor will usually get that fasting glucose checked. And as everyone knows, that's just that one-time finger prick lab value. You're testing your blood for a one-time measurement of your glucose in that fasted state. And traditional metrics will tell you that if you're below 100, you're, you're normal, right? Go on your day. We don't need to do anything about that. But when you really dive into the research, you see that once your glucose gets higher, optimal glucose values are kind of within that 70 to 90 milligram per deciliter range at fasting glucose. When you get above that 90 range, your risk for diabetes, your risk for cardiovascular disease, it starts to increase. And what I think is happening is we're kind of missing that window where we have the biggest impact. We can make a big change and see our changes show up by preventing disease or even delaying you know, the onset of those chronic lifestyle-related diseases, but we're just waiting for that diagnosis. And so what we're hoping to do with NutriSense and what we've been pretty successful with is just kind of identifying those little yellow flags, right? Okay, so your glucose is kind of shifting upwards. Maybe that's time for us to make a change and we can really dive into this factor that might be affecting you. Or we've started to see your overall average glucose kind of rise up steadily. This is that little yellow flag, even though it's not going to be flagged as an issue on a traditional laboratory value, that's when we can make the biggest change in someone's life. So 
I think that's just a disservice to the person, right? They have the power and they can make those changes. And we don't have to wait for a diagnosis to do it. So I'm pretty naive to CGM outside of the realm of diabetes. So how did you, I, I mean, I, I guess because I'm looking at it from the medical perspective of insurance companies and things of that nature where, right. so how did you get into CGM? Yeah. And you're right. Traditionally, so CGM, continuous glucose monitor, it's only used, it's a prescription device. So you do need a prescription for it. Just so your listeners are, are aware, it's kind of this small little, I always call it an easy button. It's just this round circular device. You insert it in the back of your arm and then it inserts just a small little microfilaments under the skin into your interstitial fluid, which is that fluid around your tissues. And that measures your glucose constantly. So 24 seven. So we talked about that fasting glucose, that one snapshot in time. I always think of CGMs as kind of a time lapse. You're able to see the full picture, what glucose is doing throughout the night, what it's doing all day long, and then your meal responses, which can be really helpful. We'll get into that. But for now, it is really, really hard to get a prescription for this device because it's really only been studied or approved in individuals with type one or type two diabetes. So that's one thing that we found is there's a lot of red tape around getting that for preventative purposes if you're an overall healthy person with none of those red warning signs. And what we started seeing, right, is that a lot of people were using this for that alternative purpose. So a lot of people in the alternative medicine or the functional medicine space started using this in otherwise healthy people to kind of see those little yellow flags like we talked about. And so I was just kind of Googling and found NutriSense and saw that they were building this company that focused on that. And then they also add a dietitian aspect to their program. So not only are people getting this data, but they're able to make sense of it. Because when you start to monitor glucose, it's really, really confusing right at first. There's a lot of nuances there. So every time you eat something, your glucose is going to increase and it's going to come back down but there's a lot of nuance in what that shape of your glucose curve looks like. So to someone that's not trained and looking at this, they can just see kind of this bumpy line. But with a lot of training and what we've done looking into the research, we can kind of look into those responses and assess kind of a proxy for your insulin response by looking at that. And we have found that that's helpful for literally everyone. I know that there's this statistic that gets thrown around that 88% of Americans are not metabolically healthy I, I'm sure you guys have heard that it's everywhere, but we've seen that, right? And I think that sometimes that's a hard thing to actually put into data, but when you start to monitor it and you see it continuously, that's when you can see maybe those issues that are starting to arise before they're an actual problem. I don't think anybody really gets a lot of nutritional training. I, I just think that that's a fact. So you kind of started to hit on it. I did not know if there was anything more outside of diabetes that you, like you said, oh, we use it for healthy people. We use it for yellow flags. But what are some of the other things that a healthy person using CGM can get to improve their health? You mean like technologies or? Well, what I mean is like when you're saying, okay, so imagine I am one of your new people and I don't know a lot about what those bumps mean. Yep. Is that the primary focus, like, hey, trying to explain to them and how their body is responding? Or is there a way like, hey, when this bump goes here and this bump goes down here, is that how you use it to explain? What I'm saying is outside of diabetes, what more can a person get out of knowing this information? Like, why is it important to the person? 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point. The big thing, and that's what we've kind of touched on, is knowing this information and knowing your risks and knowing how your body is responding. You can kind of know your risks for those lifestyle-related diseases. So we know that 80% of not just diabetes, but also cardiovascular disease, stroke, hypertension, all of those can be prevented, right? 80% of those can be prevented or at least delayed. So I think that's a big bucket of kind of the benefit of monitoring is you can see where your risk factors are and not just in fasting glucose. So we talked about how if your baseline glucose starts to rise up just a little bit, which is something we can monitor, then we can see kind of our risk there. But also, I think one of the cool things about CGMs is you can see your individual response to foods. And so one thing I always tell people is that there's no one size fits all diet. We all respond completely differently to foods, right? So then you could eat a banana and have a completely normal glucose response. I could eat it and shoot really, really high. That might not be a good food for me. And so I think a lot of times in the nutrition space, there's these general rules, right? Oh, a sweet potato is better than a white potato. Brown rice is better than white rice, right? We've all heard those kind of arbitrary nutrition rules. But what I found from monitoring thousands of people's data is that it really depends on a lot more than that. And I think one of the big factors is your microbiome composition. So all the gut bacteria that you have inside of your body can be different from person to person. So you might have bacteria that helps you digest that banana and have a really healthy glucose response. I might not have that bacteria. And that's something that we cannot see unless we're monitoring it. And then of course, there's tons of other factors like your genetics or how you do with different foods in general, like when are you eating your environmental factors, right? So all of those things are really missed when we're telling someone this is the right diet. So unless you're tracking your foods and seeing how your body responds, there's really no way to know what foods at what times of day work best for you. And that's where we can really come in and just see that data. I'm sure one of the things that you guys see in your own practice is that behavior change is really hard, right? (laughs) Yes. No. What? <laughs> Getting people to do things that they don't want to do. Yeah. It just happens for me. I don't know about you two, but yeah. Yeah. It just rolls off my tongue and they just do it. That's what happens. It's easy peasy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that was one of the most frustrating things when I was just in outpatient counseling is that what are people monitoring to see their progress on any lifestyle change? Their weight, right? And if anyone's ever tried to lose weight, they can see that that's not the best metric to look at. Some days you're perfect and your your weight doesn't go down at all. Some days you might have a meal that's not great for you and then your, your weight comes down. So weight is not always the best indicator of metabolic health or just health in general. And also it's a really slow metric to move. So for people, humans, every single person on this planet, we need real-time data. We need that instant gratification that says, hey, if I do this one thing, this thing's going to happen, right? I know that my efforts are paying off. And that's where I think the CGM is so, so huge because I eat something and then I see that data on my phone within minutes, right? And you can monitor it over the two-hour period after you eat your meals called your, you know, your postprandial response which again, you cannot monitor anyway, but CGM, unless you're doing an oral glucose tolerance test, but let's be real. No one wants to do that. Um, Yeah. So So I think that's probably the big thing is that you see how your body responds and then you can change up one little thing in that meal, or you can 
change up your exercise in that day. And then you see a better response, right? So if you have a big spike, you make a change, and then you see improvements, I think that's the data that people need to actually make that lifestyle change and have it be sticky and have it be something that they come back to over and over and just be part of their mental process when they're making decisions. So that's for me personally, right? My mom sends me chocolate covered pretzels every single Christmas. <laughs> Love it. It's my favorite dessert. That was my highest spike on the CGM, which is not surprising to anyone. It's <laughs> processed carbohydrates and chocolate. Right. But I had. But it's delicious. <laughs> delicious. Yeah. I had the highest spike, which was I saw that data, but I also felt really cruddy. So whenever we have these giant swings in glucose, that can lead to energy drops fatigue, cravings later in the day, irritability. And so I think when I combined that big spike with the food that I had and then those subjective feelings, my mom sent me <laughs> chocolate covered pretzels this year. And I looked at them and I was like, not today. I, I can't do it today. I need my energy. I need to feel good. So it was kind of that unconscious decision. I didn't guilt myself into not having them. I didn't have that torment me. I just knew how it made me feel and what it did to my body. And I said, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So I think that's that's the power in a CGM and in real-time data in general. Without even thinking, I made that conscious decision. And I think that can be so helpful for everyone. Hmm. That's interesting. So one of the things I think is important that when any new technology comes out, mm -hmm. we start learning how to use it better. So when CGM, it sounds great, but now we're finding out a whole bunch of information. Now we're finding, yeah, words are hard, but now we're finding all sorts of useful information as you're pointing out. So how do you feel continuous glucose monitoring is going to change how I practice with my patients? Put on your Swami hat. So like, give me some predictions. How do you see the future being shaped by CGM? That's an awesome question. I love that. Well, that's all I give. Oh. All right. That Carly, oh, that's what I'm known for. Oh, yes. God. I love that. First thing I want to clarify first is, and I should have done this at the very beginning, but what is glucose? Why does, we've talked about why it matters, but one thing to, to think about with glucose, which is why CGMs are important, is that glucose is our body's preferred metabolic substrate. So we need a little bit of glucose in our body at all times to fuel our, every single cell in our body. And so we can use glucose for fuel, we can use fat for fuel, but we're always going to prefer glucose unless we've been following a keto diet for 10 years and we prefer fat at that point. But that's a completely different topic. We always need a certain level of glucose in our body to keep us at that homeostatic range, right? So we, our bodies keep that glucose threshold and they work really, really hard to do that. So I think as a practitioner, if you have a person that maybe they don't really have any signs of insulin resistance um, from a fasting glucose, or maybe they're just telling you that they have poor energy and you're unable to kind of see where that's coming from because their diet's great, you're not really sure what else could be going on, all their labs check out. I think glucose and monitoring it with the CGM is the lowest hanging fruit that can give you the most information. So you're getting two weeks of data, every single CGM you put on for relatively no work on the client, right? So I think whenever a intervention works, it has to be, first of all, simple. It can't be painful. If you tell someone to prick their finger, we all know that that doesn't go well. People are going to skip those finger pricks because they hurt, yeah. but CGM doesn't hurt. And I think that's, that's always scary. People think that they have to apply this thing into the back of their arm and it's going to be really painful. 
it's relatively painless. And then once it's there, you don't have to touch it. The only thing you have to do is scan your phone every eight hours, which of course people can forget to do that. But if they do that and they tell you what they ate, you're able to make so many conclusions or at least know which avenue to go through just by looking at that data. So from a practitioner perspective, at least for me, it made me more confident in my recommendations. And I was able to really, really quickly see if something was working or not. You know, we do all these tests or experiments. We call them N equals one experiments because we can tweak little things and see if it makes a difference. So instead of trying something for three months, come back, tell me how it goes. You're able to say like, hey, instead of this carb at your dinner meal, maybe try this carb at your dinner meal and see what happens. And you're able to see that right away and kind of adjust based on that response. So I think it just is that lowest hanging fruit that gives you the most information. And it's really simple. It's a simple tool to apply to almost everyone. And in the future, I think where this is going to go, I think we're going to be able to use this to, first of all, provide those insights. So not only to you as a practitioner to see what their body's doing to food, exercise, stress, sleep, because glucose is is affected by more than just food. We always think, okay, glucose, that's just what you eat, but it's also affected by poor sleep, a lot of stress, or just inactivity, really, really intense workouts. So we can kind of see how all those lifestyle factors are affecting their metabolic state. And so by doing that, you're able to bring attention to the ones that maybe need a little bit of work and you can kind of gear your interventions towards what's most important for that person's individual health. So building their lifestyle plan, building their nutrition plan, all that just from two weeks of data. And then, like I said, you can kind of tweak it and do whatever, whatever sticks out to you that might be the most important. I think it's going to become more available. I really hope at some point It doesn't require a prescription that we can just kind of get this over the counter or that the prescription is available for individuals without diabetes, kind of in a more covered state by insurance. I know that's always the the worry. Is it going to be covered by insurance? And right now, sometimes it's not. So I think if we can use this for prevention and it's helping save costs down the road, then the benefit's going to outweigh that. and, And maybe we'll get it covered a little bit more. I just want to say I have had a CGM applied to me as a demonstration before. So it is painless. She, everything she said about, you don't even know what's there is 100% correct. If anybody is ever like, Oh, I don't want to you, the plastic piece that they apply it with is the only part you actually feel. At least that's for me and my experience. So if, if that's a concern to anybody listening, you won't even know it's there until you accidentally catch it on your shirt. Then you kind of know it's there. But other than that, you're good. Oh, for sure. I think the the scariest part when you're applying it is you see this giant needle, right? You you see that needle. So you know that that's going to be used to insert the CGM into your skin. But what's important to know is that doesn't stay in your skin. It's just this little tiny hair-like microfilament. And the sound is really the scariest part. So when you insert it, it makes this clicking sound, which is is scarier and more painful than the needle itself. Honestly, for me, the scariest part was pulling it out. Like, I don't know why that just terrified me. Like, oh, I got to I got to pull this thing off my skin. I don't know that kind of part. But then I did. And I was like, oh, it was like Band-Aid legit. Like, I was like, oh, that's that's all it was. So. Yeah. So it's got that adhesive. And I think that is scary, especially if you have hair on the back of your arms. I always tell people to shave it because it is like pulling a bandaid off of that area. And that's a very sensitive area. So 
whatever it touches, it's going to pull. Yeah. So yeah. just be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. You can do some, you know, coconut oil, baby oil on it and, or do it in the shower. That's what I always say, just to make that a little bit less painful, but <laughs> you're right. That probably is the most painful part. I just had this whole cut scene of somebody trying to pull it off and then slipping in the tub. I'm like, yeah, real painless, Carly. The poor guy's got a head wound now. Yeah, no, yeah. Carly said it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. That's hilarious. Carly, we talked a little bit about your, you've talked a little bit about your company. Do you want to give listeners the website for more information, things of that nature, so that they, if they want to get hold of you or find you? Yes, definitely. So if you're interested in learning more about glucose, about metabolic health, one thing you can do is follow us on social. We're trying to post insights from individuals that are wearing CGMs or experiments that they do, or just tips to keep your glucose in a really stable state. If you want to learn more, follow us at Nutrisense.io. You can also go to Nutrisense.io to learn more about our programs, our dietitian team, and just kind of all the information we're putting out in the space. So, And we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes for everybody as well, so they can just kind of click on that if they need to. Now, my last question that I have for you, because we're a provider-based podcast, and that's kind of what you know we're we try to talk to, or <laughs> we have we do have some non-providers that listen. But do you have any type of like provider-based training or things like that where providers could get more information about CGM or about some of the the positive benefits of things, some of the things that you're speaking about? Yeah. So we do work with a lot of providers right now on our, our website. We have like a healthcare discount. So I think it's $50 off your first month of any plan. So that's what I would recommend. Actually, I think the best way to learn is to do it yourself. So I know you, you've tried it. There's a lot of people that have tried it, but I, I would say that probably the best way to do it is to use our program. We have a lot of really cool insights in our app that give you like a scoring system, right? So you not only log your glucose and you can see that in real time, but you can log your meals, you can log your exercise, you can log all those different factors like we talked about. And then you kind of get a score and it explains that score and tells you what you can improve. And then what's cool and what I do is that I'm your personal dietitian in your pocket. So I can you know, take your goals into account and then help you reach those goals by interpreting that. So for providers, you know, if your goal is just to learn more about it, so to see if it would be right for your patients, then that's definitely a goal that you can put down and that your dietitian can kind of walk you through and just talk about the science, talk about the analytics, talk about how to do N equals one tests. So that if you do want to do that with your with your patients, then you have that one-on-one -on -one experience and you can pull from that information. We have a ton of stuff on our, our blog too, which is really cool. But I, I would say every Every, we have so many healthcare people that are that are signing up for our, our program now. So do you guys, though, offer any like continual medical education or do you guys have a conference or or is any of that possibly in the works for the future for medical providers? Yeah, that's a really good point. We are attending a lot of conferences this year, so I think that will be in the pipeline. We don't have any formal medical training you know, for uh, medical pra practitioners at this point, but definitely an area that we will explore for sure. Well, Carly, anything else you want to say before we jump into five questions? I would just say thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate talking to you guys tonight. And I hope that everyone that listens and is interested in using this awesome technology for their patients or, or whatever, checks out NutriSense. Tom, you got anything? Have you prepared your last will and testament before we get to the five questions? Since you said you've listened, you should be aware of what's about to happen. I just want to make sure for the listening I, audience, they know that you know. 
what's about to happen. I do know what's about to happen. Watch you guys flip the script on me and tell me like different questions. But I want to tell you, I didn't. No, no, no. I didn't prepare for them at all. I was like, I'm going to go no, in. I know what they are, but I'm not going to have rehearsed answers because no. I want to be surprised. It, but it would be unsporting and unfun if we changed them. Like, I, I want you to think you know what's about to happen. <laughs> That's the fun for me and Ben <sighs> is when you're like, I know what I'm going to say. Okay. So let's, so I'm, I'm Ben. Well, how many people have you asked these questions to? That's my God. Oh, it's been a couple dozen. I know it's been more than that. I'd say probably dozens. Yeah. I'd say probably at least 50. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I really have some shoes to fill. I got to live up. Yeah. Okay. A couple. Ready. So ready. Join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guests as we ask, Five, 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 five questions. All right, Carly, this is five questions. And like we kind of talked about pre-show, I ask the questions and Tom gets to make fun of your answers. So question one, Carly, what's your favorite medical word? Uh, I kind of have two. Can I do two? Is that a cheat? Let's hear the first one. Then we'll make a judgment. So I think probably my favorite one is one that I use multiple times every single day. And that's postprandial because it sounds really fancy, but it's just after a meal. That's all it is. But people are like, wait, postprandial. So for instance, one of the things you can do for your glucose is go for a walk after your meals. And I'm always saying I'm on my postprandial walk and no one knows what I'm talking about, thinks it's something cool and, and exotic, but it's the most mundane thing ever. So, All right. So let's first time in JSP history will allow a second one because you you are first of all, you do something that I know I do in my practice and I but I tell them like a proton pump inhibitor sounds really cool, but then I explain what it is. So, OK, so Carly, you get a pass. OK, so what's, what's number it two? better be good, though. OK, I think this one's good, but you, you'll tell me for sure. Um, emesis. Yeah. Also one that sounds oh, like really, really fancy. People are like, ooh, what's what's emesis? And when you tell them what it is, they're like, they're not very excited about it anymore. So Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay, look, I like her using emesis. And I think she's hundred percent correct. But puke, like that's that's what you went with. I'm just saying, out of all the things you could have said microfilament, like there's a million things, Carly, ooh. that you've said. And you went with puke. Well, microfilament doesn't sound as exotic. You know, I think yeah. emesis sounds like. Or a rapper. Really cool. So there you go. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. Okay, Carly. Oh. Both of these have to do with eating. See, you know I'm a dietitian. And, uh, and honestly, that's what I was going to say in Carly. Right. You talked about low hanging fruit. You <laughs> talked about post eating and throwing up. Now, as a dietitian. I would assume you wouldn't want to put post eating and vomiting in the same <laughs> sentence, but Carly, you had the intestinal fortitude to go where no other dietitian would go on purpose. Thank oh, you man. for, for doing I that. I did not us, even put that together at all. That's pretty bad. Carly, that's what I'm here for. I yeah, told okay. you. That's what we got. <laughs> all right, Carly, question two. We'll move on because, wow. Because otherwise, we'll keep going down that road. So. All right. If you could have any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? 
That's a good question. Also around food. I feel like all of these are going to be around food. I would be a chef. That's what I originally wanted to be. I wanted to go to culinary school. I wanted to be a chef. I love food, any and all food, but I just didn't want to work in a kitchen and work all holidays, all weekends. Like props to chefs, man. They do the most and they're so skilled at what they do. But I wanted to use, you know, food for another purpose. So that brought me to being a dietitian. But I would say chef or an equestrian. Those would be my two. For, for, for chef, <laughs> are we talking a particular specialty? Are you talking like Waffle House or? I Did mean, you just gloss over the fact she said yes. either a chef or a horse rider? Okay, hold on. So ben has a good point. Let's let's clarify. Very simple. Keep it short, Carly. What type of chef? Tell us right now. I would just say the upscale American, drawing from Greek influence, maybe. Okay. Okay. So, who's your favorite chef or your favorite movie about cooking? Because there's a couple movies that actually involve a guy who's a chef as a character. So, which one is it? Do you have a favorite chef or a favorite movie and or? Mm, I have a lot of favorite chefs. Uh, I love Ina Garten, Barefoot Contessa. She's probably my number one. And I also love Jeffrey Zakarian and um, Alex Gornishelli. So if you're Chopped fans, do you watch Chopped? Yeah. Oh. I love Chopped. Iron Chefs? I mean, that's that's legit. Okay. Yeah, see? Go ahead, Tom. I know you want to you pick apart the horse rider. Go ahead. I really honestly at this point feel horse rider picks itself apart. Okay. okay. So, Please. Carly, are you talking like Olympian? Or like the guy who drives a handsome cab downtown. Like what type of equestrian are we talking here? Mm, I'm going to go with Olympian just because that sounds cooler. I don't have a competitive bone in my body though. So I don't think that would, that would make it hard to be a world-class competitor without mm-hmm. said com- competition. Yeah. Maybe well, I'll be the first equestrian chef. <laughs> there you go. Do you, okay. One More last follow up on that. Do you have a fo- Do you have a favorite type of horse? Mm, Dapple Bay. I do not know enough about horses to know if that's a real thing, so we'll grant it. There you go. Well, uh, did you mean rain? Was that a? Was that no, a I'm, I'm like I know about like uh, what are they called? Lepens honors, and there's like Appaloosas, and then you said something. I'm like I don't know what that is. So, yep, you got it. You win. Oh, I'll say there you go. So uh, Carly gets a pass because I don't know enough about equestrian to make fun of her, really, to be fair. That was so, the whole purpose. You know? Oh, good job. Smart. Ooh, crafty, crafty adversary. I like this. Yeah. Question three, Carly. Think back to your first car. Was mm-hmm. it a stylish ride or a rolling turd? Um, I would say it was a very stylish ride. I don't know if you guys remember Honda Passports, but they only made them for a very, very short amount of time. So it was a Honda SUV. It was like the first Honda SUV. It looked exactly like the uh, Izuku Rodeos, but it was awesome. I grew up in Iowa, so there was tons of snow and ice everywhere all the time, all winter long, which was felt like the whole year. And it had this little winter button that I just, I remember sliding, you know, being 16 and sliding around in my little SUV in the snow and the ice. And it was the best car. And Tom, the thing about Hondas though, I mean, those damn things are running 500,000 miles. I I, I was going to say, you know, Carly normally, well, first of all, most people go with rolling turds. So a, I applaud you for your, uh, your going with stylish ride and B, you know, Ben, she's right. Honda passport was an awesome vehicle. Very safe. Gets around quick. I mean, and it's a Honda. So I mean, they're, they're built. Yeah. I, you know what? 
Yes, that's a good answer. I'm going. Yeah, I like it. I'm that's, like passing this quiz. I know, I'm impressed. That, Don't uh, worry, we're gonna tank you here pretty soon. But I mean, but I mean, you got those, so that's good. I will <laughs> say it had it did have like two hundred twenty five thousand miles on it when I got it. So, but it was when she got it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. See, you know, maybe this is a Honda commercial. We just don't know it. Future sponsors. Mm-hmm. So, hey. Sponsor, but <laughs> no, I Honda does make a good car. You are correct, Miss Carly. Question four. If your house is on fire, everyone, including your pets, are safe. Other than pictures, what's the one thing you want to get out of your house? So this is a really hard one for me. Wait, what? No, no, go on. I'm just saying I already have a prediction. But, okay. And I'll be honest. So you say your answer, Carly, because I can't say it without you seeing or hearing it. So Okay. Well, I'm going to get it's going to get a little heavy for just a second. But this actually did happen to me. I had a house fire in 2017 and literally lost. I just moved to Washington State. That's where I live right now. I'd been here six months. Well, maybe a little. Yeah, six months, seven months. And my whole entire apartment building caught on fire. Everything burned down. I lost literally everything I owned. But when I went back into the building, the thing that was still there, my great grandmother, who was a dietitian, had this box of her recipes and the whole box was burned. But when you opened it, all the recipes were safe. So I think I would probably steal that again because that meant the most to me. Like that survived. Oh, my gosh. Like it just it was the coolest thing ever. I will say that waiting in line to get like a new license, a new like everything was the worst thing ever. So I. If I could grab two things, I'd grab my purse, but I think I'd go sentimental and grab the recipes. Tom? Okay. I, I'm going to bet you did not guess that. that you are funny. 100% correct on Nana's uh, recipe box. <laughs> did not see that coming. So my first guess was going to be, and I had two. It was either yeah. cooking knives, because you know everything else she's talked about so far, Chef, food, yeah. or a lucky horse's shoe. I wasn't sure which way we were going to go with. She was like, oh, my favorite horse, Betsy, threw this one time. I didn't know. Like, I just, but I was like, okay, it's going to be something like that. And then she said that also, this is another first for JSP. We've never asked that question to someone that literally had their house burned down. I think we had one other person, but what? Well, well, I don't remember. It means that I need to do a trigger warning on that. Oh, no, no trigger. There's, there's been a new time that I, there's like no trigger at all, you know, kind of pa- let it go. But um, yeah, definitely. You realize really quickly that nothing else matters. You know, I had so many, you know, I would say my camping stuff. I lost my kayak, all those things that whatever. It was a bummer at the time, but I replaced them all. It's five years later. We're good. But it's the sentimental stuff that you just you can't get back. Sentimental. Okay. <laughs> This is my last chance to make fun of her, though, because it's hard to make fun of that. Okay. I mean, she yeah, survived. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this question because as a dietitian, I want to see what her answer is going to be. So, no, 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 hold on. I want to ask out of all the recipes, what's your favorite one that you saved? Ooh, look at that. Because this is the one I'm going to make fun of her on. This is my, <laughs> this is my silver lining because she's going to say something like kale grass smoothie or something, and I'm going to just <laughs> demolish her. So bring it on. Okay. What is it, Carly? I would love to see you make fun of this, but twice baked potatoes. My Absolutely, green- I can make fun of this. Wait, what? Absolutely. You know why? Because you shouldn't be telling people to eat those. They're bad for them. So, joke's on you, Carly. Uh, 
It's all about your glycemic response. You got to test for yourself, man. There you oh, see. Such a yeah, crafty right. answer. Yeah. And everyone, no, boo. That's a thumbs down from the judges, Carly. We all know better, okay? You can't put sour cream, cheese, and bacon on something and go, it's kind of healthy. Doesn't work, okay? Doesn't work, Carly. You eat protein first. Oh, and, and you, you know, eat it <laughs> earlier in the day when your insulin sensitivity is better. Eat it the last thing in the meal. You can, you can do it. Oh, so I can have a Snickers bar as long as it's in the breakfast. Okay, cool. So let's Stop go with this, uh, <laughs> let's go with this last question, man. All right, question five, Carly. This is what I'm looking forward to. You have nine dollars and eighteen cents in your pocket. You're at a convenience store or gas station. What all do you buy? That's a good number. That was a good number that you picked because it's like just low enough where you're like, shoot, I don't have a lot of money, but just high enough where you can kind of make some, you can buy some stuff. That's what we're known for is our awesomeness. So stop stalling, Carly. I would say if you go to a gas station, there's a lot of acellular carbohydrates, meaning a lot of quick burning energy. There's a lot of we all know that. Foods. We all know this, right? <laughs> and for me, those foods don't last at all. So if I'm like eating that and I and I, you know, I'm driving along or doing whatever, I'm gonna be hungry in five seconds. So I need something sturdy. So I would probably go, I would probably go with um some really good beef jerky, like a like a bag of beef jerky. And we all know beef jerky is super expensive. So that would probably take my whole nine dollars. You got it on sale. You got it for like five bucks. Okay. If I got that oh, on sale. That's ooh. that's how you fish them in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. But I so far, so good. Uh, beef jerky, excellent. That is a quality yeah. answer. The Dukes. I like the Dukes ones, the spicy Dukes. Um, I was going to ask, do you have a flavor? And spicy is also correct. So, I mean, so far, two for two. So you got $4, four and some change left. Four dollars and some change. Okay, well, then I'm definitely splurging for peanuts. I'm getting salted peanuts for sure. Those are two protein-based items, so they're going to keep my glucose steady, right? I'm not going to be hangry. But your um, blood pressure drops. Your blood yeah. pressure, Carly. That sodium, it's killing your blood pressure, Carly. I'm more concerned about the massive amount of salt intake and nothing yeah. to wash it down with. Yeah. Well, that's you're, you're going to be parched. I need something to drink, so I'm going to go with the Lipton unsweetened iced tea. That's for real what I would get. For real, hands down, I would get that. I was waiting for her to say something like, well, I always have uh, 64 ounces of ice cold water in my car for emergency water usage. Yeah, see? So <laughs> she's like, I don't need to drink that, Ben. I'm a dietitian. I always have water on hand. I, I really thought she was going to get water instead of tea. So I was Yeah, no, I, I do like the tea, but unsweetened. So you're drinking dirty water. That's what you're oh. drinking. Yeah, what coffee is? No, no, no. Coffee you put creamer in. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's early morning. I might get some coffee too if I have. You know, if they have like the fifty cent ones that you can get for real cheap. How do you take your coffee? Just some half and half in cinnamon, but they probably don't have that at the gas station. Okay, okay. I can. Oh, I'll ask off the air. But I, you know what, Ben? Peanuts, beef jerky, Dukes. Dukes, the spicy. Ugh cough water but i mean other than that everything else was good see we could be road trip buddies yeah very good I, I am a major beef jerky consumer on road trips that is 100 so keeps your blood sugar stable you know yeah that's why i do it too not that's because it tastes delicious it's because it makes my blood sugar even the whole time Hopefully. that's what i look for well that 
concludes five questions. Carly, thank you again for joining us on our podcast. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and your company at one more time? Yes. So check us out. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Nutrisense.io. And then you can go to our website, Nutrisense.io. And we're putting out awesome content, tips, tricks, um, information about glucose. So check us out and sign up for your own CGM plan. And if you're interested in finding us, which I mean, you already listened to us, you probably already know where we're at, but you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast, our website's www.justsomepodcast.com, our email, jsp at justsomepodcast.com. On all those notes, it's been an interesting interview. We, I think we've learned a lot, and we've gone from there. So on all those notes, I hope you wash your hands, wear your mask, be safe. Oh, not this Tom's. Wash your hands, wear your mask. <laughs> Have a great week. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. Practice swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. I caught some road rage and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known. Took a press so I could find my cheek. Found me. Thank you.